Before we get into today's chat, we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. As always, we pay our respects to their elders past and present. We are not meant to do this alone. And it's like that age-old saying, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And everyone's always going, where is that village? And that's exactly right. In today's modern world, like, where the fuck is that village? (laughs) Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. We'd like to say a big thank you to today's episode sponsor, T-Form Pilates and their online prenatal program, tailored to your due date to help you feel confident and informed from five weeks to full term. And we're back with another episode, everybody. Hello, Kate. Hello, Sophie. We had no issues setting up our recording gear today. That is a bonus for us. Woohoo. That's a I major feel, achievement for us. I feel like that's the first um, time in a while that we haven't had technical difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. You know, just um, faced with the challenges of the juggle, as always. Hmm. A big shout out to my children's grandparents who look after my kids whilst I record this. Wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. You know who you are. Yay for grandparents, hey? Yes, big yay for grandparents. Today's episode topic, I think everyone's going to find something that they relate to in this. I think so too. But before we reveal the exciting topic, what mm. do we have in common? The title's already, the, the episode's oh. already titled. <laughs> Spot the have human in the room or on the screen, me. We do this every time with guests, don't we? Like We're like, surprise, it's so-and-so. It's like the name's already in the title. But anyway, sorry. Oh my yes. God, I've never thought of it like that. Well, today's episode is why yeah. is parenting so hard? And you guys have just got us today. We have done a lot of guest episodes this season, so you're stuck with us. Just us, and we hope you love it. Also, we felt like this is a topic that we have quite a bit to say about from our own experiences. And also, when we asked you guys, we got an incredible response. So, mm, we still haven't spoken about what we have in common. I don't know. I'm really, really tired. Are you tired? Yeah, well, look, we're tired. We're both tired. We're always tired. Everyone's tired. All the parents are tired because mm. it's hard. It's bloody hard work. <laughs> Tell you. Um, No, you're in a different phase, my love. You are in the, you know, early getting up to your baby multiple times a night phase. He's tricked me. Yeah. Has he? Did he give you a false? Did he give you a false? Oh, God. We've had weeks of some great sleep. But I, Mm. do you know what? I know this is, this is a phase. Mm. And I have done it twice before. But all of a sudden this week, we are just seeing each other much more frequently throughout the night. Yeah. <laughs> and while I love those little baby cuddles, mm, every night's a bit too much. You just want to get the F to sleep. Yes. Well, the problem with not having a good sleep is that you don't cope with things as well the next day. So it's not even so much about getting up in the night, is it? No. It's the hangover from it. It's the it's the outcome. And the balance with the other kids. I find I'm so much less tolerant, um, less motivated, 
you know, less everything if I haven't had a good sleep. But it is amazing how you just pull adjust to function. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and pull through with less sleep. It's kind of crazy. Mm. I find it kind of crazy, but, you know, us humans are pretty amazing. So, yeah, sure, sleep tiredness is um, one thing. But I think, like, finding so many commonalities between this topic like I think we've got so many things in common with finding parenting hard and obviously after seeing the results from our questions to the audience so does everyone else have this in common with us. Do you think we should start with sharing some of the answers that came back from the questions that we asked on Instagram before we kind of delve into the topic? Why not? It was quite fascinating wasn't it? It was. This definitely obviously is something that is of interest to you guys because we did get quite a big response when asking these questions. So we are all in this together. (laughs) Where should we start, babe? The first question that we asked was, have you ever described parenting as hard? Yep. And an astounding 85% of you said, absolutely. There was no one who said never. I would have been surprised. Oh, you know you meet those people out there that just seem like the most positive parent and they're just like all about the kids and you just look at them and you're just like, are you even, have you ever felt what I felt? Like, are you just <laughs> like this all the time? Are you a unicorn parent that just like I'm sure loves there are every some second of it? Yeah. You know, and you know, everyone says like, you know, love every minute of it. It's like, it's impossible yeah, it's to hard. love every single minute because it's hard. I wonder how many times in this episode we're going to say it's hard. Nothing that's good ever comes easy though, remember that? Yes, good point. Yeah, I don't think it's meant to be easy. No. I think that just today's modern world presents a lot of challenges that are contributing for it to be harder than what it potentially should be, needs to be and used to be. Yeah. You know, with all of these modern conveniences, I think they also add to challenges. Extra stress, um, extra pressure, extra anxiety. Yes. Extra distraction. Yeah. Sorry, back to our answers though. Absolutely 85%, never was 0% and on occasions 15%. Yeah. And this was like with like over 100 um, results. So that's like a lot of people contributing to those percentages. Yes. So Thanks, you know. guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for your input. We appreciate it because even for us it is great to – feel like other people are having common experiences. Yeah. Makes you feel better. So our next question was, what has been the hardest or most challenging part? There was floods of people sharing their different challenges and it just really cemented that, you know, Mm. everyone is really finding it really challenging and they are finding it hard. But, yeah, there were a few common answers, weren't there? Yes, some of the top ones were relentlessness, mental load, shift in identity, no village or slash a couple of people answered that they don't live close to many friends and live close to zero family. So that would be Mm. quite tricky, I think. Lack of control you know, the never-ending game of trying to find the balance and, you know, meeting the needs of all of your different children if you have subsequent children. Should we read a couple specific yeah. ones? Yeah, sure. Go for it. The mental load was a really common one and I think, yeah, most mothers or primary parents can relate to that. Yes. There is a lot of discussion around the mother's mental load and for good reason because it's It is a lot. And, yeah, also the relentlessness, that came up quite a few times. So one said it used to be the unknown and comparison, but now kids are older, it's emotional slash social issues. 
Mm-hmm. Another one was the wildly huge emotions that came with becoming a mum, realizing mortality and how precious life is, etc. Also, the lack of control, surrendering is perhaps the greatest lesson so far. Yeah, the greatest lesson, but yes. also the hardest lesson. Yes, seriously. Oh, my God. Giving in to so many things that I never thought that I would have used to. That you wouldn't give up. Learning to be selfless. Yeah, learning to be selfless. Another one was major shift in identity, finding myself again, having the time and the space to do so. So, yeah, that can be a very tricky one. And I know well, we have spoken about this on the podcast before, and that's a real struggle for a lot of women after having babies. Managing my own triggers to ensure I show up for their needs completely. Yes. Oh, my God. I feel this one too. Like I get triggered by certain behaviours that my kids do or certain things that my kids Mm. do that I'm just like, I actually can't deal with that. Like when they do certain things, it triggers me to the point where I actually just have to walk away because I can't deal. Otherwise, I'm going to scream at them or I'm going to get so frustrated. And it's really interesting. It like brings out this new mirror to yourself of yeah, like, like why is that so triggering why is for that me? so triggering what is it that's happened in the past or what is what is that insecurity that brings that up like that's a big one for me too I often find when you'd said about um walking away or walking out of the room like often I have to just be like <gasps> mm. and hold my breath take a really deep breath and walk away because otherwise I know I'm just going to react and I'm going to get angry and I'm going to yell and then I'm probably going to feel really guilty. Yeah. So, yes, of course, I don't, you know, we're not always able to control control that, but, yeah, mm. <laughs> sometimes you just have to walk away. Well, that's right, isn't it? You don't always get that moment to walk away and breathe. Sometimes you explode and then regret it and apologise <laughs> and realise next time I have to walk away and breathe. Another one, pursuing your career with the constant mum guilt. And we have done a whole episode on the mum guilt can't remember the number. It was last season, season three, I think, but I can't remember the number of the episode. But go back and um, find that one in the archives and have a listen to that one because we explored that more deeply. Yeah, feeling like you can't meet everyone's needs, patience and pace. The world is so fast, it's hard to find any balance to enjoy it. Mm. Lots of different answers, but a lot of common ones as well. And I think a lot of those answers are a perfect example of, you know, once we had done a little bit more thinking about what were the contributing factors, a lot of those answers are the answer to the factors that we discovered or that we talked about. Yeah. And then the last thing that we asked was what are the top contributing factors, in your opinion, that make it harder than perhaps it should be or needs to be? Before we talk about the answers, what are yours? We said isolation, advancing technology, comparison and external societal pressures, but you might have something different. Well, no, I think in a way I can relate in like little bits to all of these, to be honest. Mm. I think one that I was speaking about with you yesterday was advancing technology. Mm. We just have instant access to so much information it's like it's so overwhelming, it's so consuming, it's really exhausting and I feel like it causes us a lot of anxiety, mm. you know, trying to, I guess, navigate that and literally at, I can pick up my phone right now, I can Google anything about parenting, about if you think your child's sick with something, about sleep and there are so many answers, there's so many conflicting answers and we're kind of losing that ability sometimes to actually just use our intuition as a parent. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 
I feel like as much as it is great, like it is so good that we have this available to us, there's also a lot of negative impacts as well. Mm, Absolutely. And then on the flip side of that as well with technology, you know, I've got kids, well, my oldest daughter who's now at an age where she is wanting to use technology a lot more. And so that is a tricky thing to navigate because it is all so new. We didn't have this type of technology when we were growing up Mm. and it's only going to get more full on and more intense. So trying to, um, I guess, as a parent, teach her about that and navigate through that as sensibly and as safely as we can. Mm, But that's the truth of it. It's like um, navigating it for yourself, but also navigating it for your children. We were also talking about isolation. That's not so much of a thing for me at all now. I feel like maybe that was more relevant when I had younger children, particularly when Nina was born, because I didn't have any other friends really that had kids or babies. So I did kind of feel like, yeah, I was going through a lot of that on my own. But yeah, probably advancing technology and maybe external societal pressures, I think a little bit. Yeah, I'm a bit of like all of the above. For me at the moment, it's definitely a big one is the isolation because of the hours that my partner works. I basically solo parent from like whenever the kids get up to whenever they go to bed, seven to seven, 12 hours a day on my own <sighs> during the week. And I have found that that is really isolating. Mm. And even though I have the support of my partner, I have the support of my family and friends, but I've found that the more I immerse myself into the community, Honey's Kinder, my friendships, and I see people more often, I make those connections. It's so much easier. I feel so much better about being a parent. The example that I was talking to you about earlier was even if you just go to the playground and meet a friend there with their kids compared to going to the playground with your kids on your own, it's so much more enjoyable because everyone's getting a little piece of what they need. So much better. Get to have a conversation with an adult and maybe talk about a few things that you're both going through and then that makes you feel more comforted because someone's Mm. feeling the same things and your kids have someone to play with so they're not demanding the need of you to play with them and you get a little bit of a break and like it just shows that you know when you do this with other people you feel so much more comforted and confident in it I think like when you're doing it alone it's so hard to know if what you're doing is the right thing or if it's even working or if you know, if anyone else is feeling the way that you're feeling, like it's just amazing how quickly you can feel isolated in parenthood, in motherhood. Part of the reason we started the podcast. Totally, yeah. We were talking so much. Remember, like during the lockdown, we were talking like every day for like two hours on the phone. Yes, about about, parenting. Yeah, like you were telling me about what was happening with Honey because she had a new baby and obviously Mm. it was your first baby and I was obviously telling you about like my two kids and we were chatting. We were like, we literally should just start a podcast. Mm. Mm. Because we would always feel so much better having those chats to make us feel more normal and human and supportive. And then the other big thing for me is the technology as well. Like I really Mm. struggle with, and again, like you make a good point, like you felt that isolation probably a little bit more when your kids were little because, yeah, you're kind of confined by your home a lot more. You've got to be home for sleep times and blah, blah, all that sort of stuff. So you kind of are physically more isolated, but it's a really challenging balance trying to also do other things in your own home whilst looking after the kids and because I am home with my kids so much at the moment and I do try to do a bit of 
contract work on and off. I have been lately, which has been great, and doing things like this, the podcast, even just keeping up with life admin, having the phone dinging at you and distracting you and having that pressure to respond to things immediately and be organized and be up to date and via communication on technology, I find it so overwhelming, so anxiety triggering. It's such a trigger for you, yeah. I just feel like that's a really big challenge and it's only becoming more and more part of our life, more immediate, like it's really full on intense and it's hard to have boundaries too because people can just contact you all the time any time of the day yeah I mean I try to I put like the do not disturb yeah but I, I almost want to have like you know how you can put set like an automatic email I want that like on my phone for I'm a phone sure, call or babe, a message I'm sure you can you can do one while you're driving you know you can do one while you're driving like how does it respond it says like I'm currently driving with blah blah okay blah, of blah, course it already like- exists technology so fucking advanced of course <laughs> of that course already it exists is. I'm sure what you're talking about you can probably do as well but it does tell you it does tell you when someone's got their phone on do not disturb yes yeah, um, yeah. I mean that's kind of the basic broad example but I kind of want like I'm busy mothering right now I can't <laughs> talk to you until BRB Friday in two years <laughs> yeah BRB when I'm ready which will be never no but you know what I mean like I'll get like a work call and I've got like my baby screaming and my toddler demanding something and or like even just when you and I talk on the phone like as soon as you pick up your phone everyone wants everything from you when you pick up the phone yeah, all, everyone's fine, not all the time, but everyone's like happily doing their thing until, until you pick, you up, pick the up the phone or yeah. until you sit down at your laptop. Yeah, it's hard, that part. So the first answer was isolation and 41% of you had answered isolation. The second one was the advancing technology, 18% said that. Comparison was 6%, which is lower than I thought. I thought with Instagram and seeing so many other like motherhood blogs and parenting advice and stuff, I thought people would be... Maybe people are starting to see through a lot of that a little bit more, filter through some of the stuff. And then the last one was external societal pressures, which was 35%. So, yeah, fair chunk of you. But, yeah, quite evenly spread, I suppose, between the different challenges. So the way that we thought we would structure this, because obviously like you guys showed in your answers about what you find challenging, you know, there's obviously a lot of different things that people find hard and challenging about parenting. But we found this article titled Eight Reasons Why Parenting in the Modern World is So Hard. And this was written by Dr. Amanda Hale. And so we thought we would just go through them and then kind of unpack them in our own way and with our personal experiences. The first one, which a lot of you obviously feel this deeply with your answers, is we are not meant to do this alone. And obviously, from what I was just explaining about my experience with the isolation, I also feel this one deeply. And it's like that age-old saying, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And And everyone's always going, where is that village? And that's exactly right. In today's modern world, like, where the fuck is that village? I mean, some cultures, it's incredible how, you know, they have babies and essentially all they focus on you know, if we go mm. back to just talking about babies for a second, all they focus on for those first 60 days or however many weeks is just breastfeeding and lying down and resting. Mm. You don't do anything else. No cooking, no cleaning, no washing. Everything else is done for you. Look, I feel like there could be a bit of a, a, a balance between that. Like that would be quite intense all of a sudden to have your baby and just lie in bed and breastfeed and that's it. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like that in our in our worlds, is it? And even as your kids get older, like you've got support from family and friends. Yeah. But at the same time, 
a lot of the parenting is still done, as you Mm. said, solo or, you know, with you and your partner. In the past, it's been the whole community that was part of parenting and the modern setup of one or two parents raising children alone is quite unusual, like for our sort of human instincts, you know, for our human needs. Do you also feel the pressure that you should be doing all these things yourself? Like you don't always want to ask for help or rely on someone else because you're like, no, 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 this is my role as a mum or as a parent. Do you feel like that? Yeah, that pressure. That's like a societal thing of like being a good mum or a good dad. Yeah, and being a good woman, you know, like being a good woman that knows how to be a good mother. Like that's what society puts that expectation on us and it's also that like, you know, you've got to do it all kind of culture like puts very unrealistic standards on on women in particular, mm. I think, and on mothers. The second one is science is powerful. And this is interesting because we have talked a lot about certain feelings and experiences with particularly motherhood because we're the people going through pregnancies and things like that, but how our brain changes. And, you know, we've talked a lot about this sort of like evidence-based science. Yeah, how many brain changes during pregnancy and then post-baby and then you know, going through matrescence and all of that. Yeah, and this science and this evidence-based backup that is um, confirming our feelings that we're yeah. experiencing. So in this article it reads, an advantage of this is that parents have heaps of evidence-based information available to them about parenting. A disadvantage of this is that many parents today are approaching parenting from a head versus heart space. So we talk, we have done a full episode on trusting your gut and intuition as well and this plays exactly into into this example that we have books and google and information like at our disposal to tell us what to do and how to think basically how to parent yeah and it takes away our natural instinct to trust our gut and follow what we feel is right for our own child mm. and often an evidence based advice might not work for your your unique scenario, you know what I mean? Like your child might be having an issue. So you look up what a professional would do or what the evidence-based advice says, Mm. and then that doesn't work for you. So you feel that you failed. Yeah. But how often are you going to feel that you failed? Because everybody's babies and kids are different. So yes, some things might work universally, but we're also different. Mm. How can one or two approaches work for everybody? So it's like, no wonder that is another failure in why we find things hard, you know. Like there's so much information out there that we default in leaning on to parent when it's just not necessarily going to be the right thing for our child. How often do you Google, babe? Do you Google a lot? Yeah, I actually don't Google a lot but I research a lot. Like I Mm. specifically look up something specific. Yeah, there's certain people that I like believe their sort of philosophies or their values or their yeah. education and so I'll, I'll look them up. But I actually don't often just randomly Google like what is that red mark on my child's face? Like yeah. I don't Google stuff like that. don't need because, any more anxiety triggers. Yeah, it, and it is just such a minefield. It's mm. really hard to find the answer that you want doing it that way. But I absolutely do search things. And conflicting that, to do it that way. Yeah, and just like awful, don't do it. Everybody knows not to do that. They also give another good example in this that science is also hugely powerful and beneficial and they talk about the SIDS like back is best campaign for babies 
which is a perfect example of how science has made information available that's literally saved the lives of children today. So there's heaps of things like that, like medical advice and things like that now that we're much more informed and aware of than past generations, which we're very lucky to have that sort of access to information. But it's just like the opposite side to the coin of that that's also detrimental to us. The next one was limited exposure. In human history, it says individuals would have had lots of exposure to babies and children before having one of their own, you know, with larger families and different social structures, experiences with younger siblings, nieces, nephews, you know, would have been a big part of life. Whereas now that's not always necessarily the case. I suppose this is a pretty case by case scenario because it really depends on on your family and and who you're around. I suppose it's another example of like in history, like people would have been raised more in their village, more in their community, yeah. all of that sort of thing. So they would have had that exposure. But like you and I were discussing from our personal points of view, hmm. when I was younger, I did a lot of babysitting. And so I was around a lot of babies before I had my own child. So I had some experience in some way, but I remember when you had your first child, you were like, I've never even changed a nappy I've before. I've never literally changed a nappy. So yeah. I, and I mean, yes, we're, as we all say, all parents are learning as they go, but I literally was learning everything. On the job. As, on the job. And you didn't have a baby. None of my other friends had babies. Like, yeah. That would have been hard. <laughs> yeah, it was really hard. Yeah. And that was, you know, I suppose when you talk back to the isolating, like isolating in a way of like, you know, I had family around and my husband's like a very hands-on parent. So I wasn't actually isolated as in like I wasn't just home with a baby nonstop all the time by myself but it was Mm. isolating in the way of I'd moved into something so massive and Mm. everybody like all my friends were still in a completely different stage to me Mm. I was still at the nightclub (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that is definitely something and it's just it's so big when you become a parent it's massive Yeah. So even though that doesn't seem like a really huge one that, you know, maybe is contributing to why parenting is so hard, but still a really interesting point of view or fact. I mean, those two examples alone, you know, like me having experiences with babies because of my past of babysitting compared to your no experience with babies before Mm. you had your own baby, like very different experiences. Even though I must say, once I had my own baby, it was completely different anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so different. Also, do you find, I don't know if this is relevant to this bit, but I feel like it is a little bit. When you talk to like our parents and who are obviously from a very different generation, the way that they talk about what it was like when they had kids or the way that they remember it is so different to now, like the way Mm. that we all are parenting. Like. I don't know if they they forget certain parts of it or they just kind of got on with it a bit more. Well, there was definitely more of that just like keep up and carry on kind of mentality. We're not like like that. We like analyse every little thing. Everything, yeah, to the point where it makes us fucking insane. (laughs) But like even my mum says, she often says to myself and my siblings like, oh, you God, you guys complain a lot like about, you know, the kids or parenting and stuff. And my mum's amazing, like. Love you, mum. Shout out. Don't want this to come across the wrong way. But she's kind of right, you know. Like we do. We do complain about everything all the time because it's harder. She will also then back it up with, I do feel like it's harder for you guys now these days, you know. Mm. It's just so different. Like you've complicated everything. Everything's so complicated. Like, Yeah. 
just put the baby to bed. If the baby cries, the baby cries, get it up, like whatever, like, you know, all this sort of stuff, like what you were talking about going through with your baby at the moment, like I'm doing this bridging nap. Should I take away the dummy? Should I do this? Should I listen to that person's advice? Should I do this? Should I try this strategy or this parenting style? It's just like it's too freaking much, like. The other thing is I've also had two kids before and although they're all different, I didn't feel like, unless I've completely forgotten, I didn't feel this amount of like noise and pressure when I, particularly when I had Nina, because now every single thing, like, you know, particularly on social media is all about like, it's probably a lot of the pages that I follow and a a lot of the things that are targeted at me and from the podcast, but there's so much information overload Mm. that it's hard not to analyze every little thing and try this and try that when, why wouldn't I just stick to my gut and why wouldn't I just kind of approach it how I have in the past? And then if that doesn't work, then look at something else. But you're always trying to be like, but I could do this or I could try this, yeah. the amount of time that I've wasted, or not wasted, but this week spent in my head being like, ah, mm. what should I do with this? It's like far out. It just causes so much unnecessary like. You could have just shit. rolled on with it and it would have happened and the same outcome would have happened anyway except the inner dialogue in your <laughs> head is like, ah, <laughs> ah. <laughs> and then it's the same outcome anyway. Anyway, so, yeah, and uh, sorry, my mum as well will often say like, God, we didn't know about that when I had you guys. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. So my many things, too, you yes. know, like, oh, we didn't know all this all this stuff. Mm, all this so, crap. <laughs> all this crap, which as we pointed out before, there are a lot of really important things mm. that we do know about now which, you know, literally save lives and, you know, and, and help a lot of people. Yeah. But equally, there is a lot of stuff that we probably don't even need to know about. Yeah, or just like you said, a lot of noise, a lot of extra noise. noise. Okay, time for a little breather. We want to share the amazing online prenatal Pilates program for mamas by T-Form Pilates. We know how important it is as mums to look after our own needs as much as we look after everyone else's. And T-Form at Home's prenatal program provides weekly Pilates plans tailored to your due date, encompassing workouts, meditations, yoga flows, baby updates, and expert advice to help you feel confident and informed from five weeks to full term. And after birth, recover safely with their postnatal program, which can be commenced from two weeks postpartum, or more importantly, when you feel ready. Been a very happy T-Form client all throughout my recent pregnancy. It has been amazing to have something to keep me on track whilst at home with my new bub, and I cannot recommend this enough. To check them out or to sign up, head to tformpilates.com.au. Now let's get back to the episode. Number four is rapidly changing technology. Parents today are preparing children for a world that we're really unsure what it's going to look like in terms of technology. So how do we (laughs) teach and guide them through something that we don't even know about yet? Like that's really strange and hard. This is something that Mackie and I talk about a lot because of the stage that particularly Nina's at at the moment because I'm not going to say what you should and shouldn't do, like it's up to every individual, And but it's kind of that thing of, I think you don't want to completely be like, well, no, you can't do that. You can't have this. Like, And I'm not talking about there's no way she's getting things like Instagram or TikTok or none of that. But with certain things, you can't 
you know, completely strip them of everything because mm. you kind of have to move a little bit with the times. Yeah. Because if you don't, then that's going to cause a lot of issues as well. But at the same time, how do we educate them on something that we don't know a whole lot about? Like mm. obviously we've been talking to other parents that have kids of similar ages and, you know, mm. getting but they some, don't know. No, they don't but, know but either. just getting their take on it or, or maybe yeah. parents. We've got a couple of friends that have kids that are a little bit older so who have already kind of gone through that little stage a little bit. I mean the school is great. They do offer different things like provide some resources and stuff. But it is really, really tricky. And then also trying to explain it to your kids so they can understand like the dangers of it. But, yeah, you can't not go with it but at the same time like you've got to have rules and boundaries but anyway it's still a work in progress we will do an episode on this we've been saying yeah for anyone that's got you know that's interested and I think it's actually something that can be relatable to all parents because you might not be at that stage now but you will be within the next however many years I think the scariest thing for me in that sense is that like the earlier you allow them to get on it, you can't reverse it. So Mm. once they're on it, they're on it. And I think social media in particular, obviously once you see what other people are doing in the world, it opens up a lot of self Uh, reflection I suppose Mm -hmm. you know why do they look like that and I don't look like or why do they get to do that and I don't or they're doing things very differently to how we do things at my family why do they you know suddenly there's all this comparison and I think like as they say comparison is the thief of joy Mm. and for kids I just want to prolong that freedom and experience of joy and no self-judgment and lots of self-compassion and just freedom within themselves to express themselves and to be children because the sooner you allow them into that more adult world of judgment and comparison they grow up quickly and you can't reverse it well it happens at school anyway with even without online like that starts to happen very early and I I find often it's often the kids that have older siblings are the ones that are more advanced in doing things on their iPads or whatever than the other kids because, you know, you see how that rolls. The older kids are doing it. They're more exposed to it. But it's not so much social media with Nina's age. It's more like this online we're talking about like gaming, things like Minecraft and Roblox and that's like a whole other thing. So that's kind of more what we're dealing with at the moment. Yeah, it's full on. The next one is the schooling system. This one's like quite interesting, I think, because in our society, you're just like, yeah, the next thing when they turn this age, they go to school and then they get their education and that's the best thing. But this article says that the modern schooling system is actually an incredibly unusual environment. The way in which school and academic cognitive outcomes and achievement dominates childhood today shifts the way parents prioritise goals. Some parents with the best intentions end up prioritising cognitive development at the expense of mental health and the child-parent relationships. I think that's like actually a really good point and something to consider once you do have school-aged children. I think I've found this kind of interesting because, yeah, like I said, you don't really think about it. Like obviously an education is, is really important and probably one of the best things that we can give our kids. But when they're young and still developing and their brains are still underdeveloped and they still really need like a really strong, loving, nurturing environment at home, the school environment is kind of a bit out of your control. Like Honey went to a Steiner kindergarten, for example, and um, I just found that philosophy of that, which is really nurturing and gentle and sort of ceremonial-based and 
are nature-based and tapping into things like the changes of the seasons and how that should change your food and your activities and the things that you do around the home and all of that sort of stuff, which I just think is such a fundamental part for young children to kind of grow up in that sort of environment, the way that like our schooling curriculum is pretty rigid. It depends on though the philosophy of the school because they have like different teaching methods. But and the schools as well, but but I suppose just the general like you know whatever it is nine till three pm structure, and you sit in a classroom and you learn about this subject ABC, and then you go home and you you have to do homework and you don't have that much family time and you have to be awake at this time every day. Like I think a lot of that it does make a lot of sense. As humans, we have different emotions and feelings and experiences every day. That that sort of rigid structure doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Work for everyone, yeah. We were having a conversation about this this morning before I took the kids to school because Mackie's like, "I don't think homework should be a thing," and I was kind of like, "Can you just stop saying that for two seconds?" Because yeah, like, just in front of the kids. Sh- Nina literally called out, I can hear you. So we were talking, saying something about one of the teachers at the school and then we were saying, I don't think homework should be a thing because Nina does have, you know, she's got her reading and her numbers and things that they have to do. And he's like, I've always thought it's ridiculous. They should be able to come home and relax. They're at school. They're learning all day. Why should when they come home, should we as parents then have to like basically make sure that they do their homework? Look, there's pros and cons and, and you know, I do agree with it to some point and particularly when, when they're young. But, yeah, it's, it is a lot because often Nina will come home exhausted, overstimulated, tired, emotional, and the last thing she wants to do is schoolwork. Yeah, absolutely. You know, she just and wants like- to hang out with us. She, she'll say, I just want to relax. So it's finding that balance. So sometimes I'll just say to her, if she said, I'll just be like, you know what, it's all good, you're too tired, like just chill. And then other times we have to have a battle and have to make her do it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, this is all the challenges and the role of being a parent. Yeah. And, like, does it take away their need for autonomy a little bit, for example, you know? Like I think it's it's like a really ingrained human need to feel freedom and independence and mm. to be able to feel self-motivated. You need that. Yeah. So, you know, does that structure really support that? Some I'm kids sure it really does. need it. I think I, I think the structure is can be really good for a lot of kids and for a lot of reasons. But I think kids all learn in completely different ways. And as you said, they have very different needs and different approaches work. So it it can be quite tricky when it's like this, you know, one or two approaches fits all type thing with school. We could homeschool, babe. That'd be the other alternative. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, thank you. You thought about it. In a different world where it wasn't this like really abnormal thing to homeschool, like absolutely. Like it doesn't have to be this sort of setup where you have to be the teacher and you have to sit down with them for eight hours a day and teach them maths. And like I'm pretty sure the homeschooling structure is quite open. You just have to meet certain things as part of the education department defines but I don't think it has to be like that like that's what I'm saying like different to normal school yeah and like but that's what I'm saying like the philosophy like the Steiner philosophy example for example is like education is about nature-based play and and things like that you know like you learn things from from nature and from the world and from doing things in the home and especially when kids are young like sure when they're older and they need 
to learn about history and science, to be a part of society and to get a job in society. Different story. But when they're young, like, I, yeah, I do. I feel like they could learn just as much in a homeschool environment as they could at a, at a normal school Absolutely. I don't know if I'm personally equipped to do it. <laughs> Come on. You signed yourself to, up. You know, in a different kind of lifestyle, I would freaking love to bring my kids up like that. Yeah. I think it's also, it so much depends on the child too because in saying all this stuff, like Nina absolutely loves school. She loves her school. She loves at the moment, loves learning. You know, there's of course there's things that she doesn't love doing, but she does really like it. So for her it does work, but, um, you know. And if we're taking this back to the reasons about why parenting so hard, that's what this statement is is making, is that parents start prioritising cognitive development over the mental health and the relationships with you because of the way the schooling structure is set up. People are like, it's more important to get good marks and do your homework, and that puts stress and pressure on the child and therefore the parent. Whereas if you were more focused, then everyone's stressed. Whereas if you were more focused on their well-being and their development and their connection with you, then maybe everyone's freaking happier. Food for thought. Food for thought. Okay. (laughs) Getting all revved up. Getting all. (laughs) (laughs) The next one was fewer children. So it said, meaning that with less children, there is more pressure on that child, and therefore the parent to get it right with that child. This is an interesting one. I feel like, um, I'm a mother of three now. Yeah. You got multiples, babe. This does not relate to you, this one. I'm out of a doubles even. I've got multiples. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I think again, like that that does make a lot of sense. But um I think again this one is we do put I mean, okay, I can only really talk for myself, but I I know you well enough to know that you're the same. We do put so much into every little thing that our children does, like Every aspect we're thinking of wanting to do the right thing, you know, you want to be a really hands-on parent, but you don't want to be a helicopter parent. You want to like be able to like drop them off and pick them up and you want to make sure they're eating like really good meals all the time. You want to make sure they're happy with their, for me, you know, with their friends and you want to make sure that, I don't know, there's just everything is perfect all the time, you know, because, and and I, I honestly think of how they're feeling all the time. It's exhausting. We're so consumed. I'm so consumed by my kids and I love them and I I wouldn't have it any other way, but it is very consuming. I think it brings us to another good point about like how important it is to put yourself first as a parent as well because have you heard that saying that like you're only ever as happy as your unhappiest child? And it's really a sign of exactly what you're saying you know you're constantly considering their feelings and what's affecting them and how their their relationships are and their health is and all of that sort of thing and if they're suffering in some way then you can't be happy and I think that's just naturally ingrained in us as parents but you can't show up for them and you can't provide for them in the best way if you're not looking after yourself and I mean like I'm saying this but I certainly don't practice this yet and I'm like early on in my parenting experience where I'm only just learning this um, because I have got to the point of like defeat and burnout and and really not coping and all of that sort of stuff that I now realize like I absolutely have to do the things that fill my cup and look after myself so I can be that mum to give them everything they need. I'm such a better parent I feel when I go out and do something for myself. Or even if me and Mackie go out for dinner or if I go out with a friend or anything, have time, whatever it is, like, because then you turn up and you're like, okay, I'm ready for this. 
you know. Yes. I'm, I'm and feeling you just, good. you still have to be you. Yeah. You actually still exist in the world as an individual, even though your life has changed so dramatically and now everything revolves around caring and mothering them. Like you're still you and you still have a place in this world to be you. It's a really weird transition in life in the early days when you're you're just learning and discovering all that. And I think this is like goes back to a lot of people's answers in in the questions that we did, like, you know, that identity shift thing. Like, who am I now that I'm a parent and how do I prioritise myself when all I care about is the well-being of my kids and the happiness of my kids? Like, it's a very slippery slope. I think another thing, actually, just throwing this in that puts so much pressure and can make parenting quite hard is a lot of people, you know, when they're pregnant, you'll hear say, particularly with the first child, yeah, we're having a baby, but, like, our life isn't going to change. The baby's just going to come along with our life and fit in with us and of course your life is going to change you're having a baby your life is not going to be what it was you can still have a great life and you can still do things that you love but a baby's not just going to come and go with the flow for the next however many years like but did you feel like that a bit do you remember thinking feeling like I mean it's certainly a massive shock because I don't yeah. think you think about how consuming it is yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit I was a little bit like that. I was like, yeah, the baby's just going to slip into my life and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, no. No, it does. It just doesn't It just doesn't roll like that. And no. like babies, they don't go with the flow on a whole. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like whoever says that they go with the flow, it just doesn't happen. Yes, there are days where you can go with the flow or you're, but in a whole, like, no. Well, they have needs. Their needs are not often met in the flow of your flow. <laughs> they can go in their own flow. You create your own flow, but, yeah, it's not just going to be the same. So I think that's also why, you know, so many women struggle with this whole identity shift as well because you're never going to be the same person that you were. We did digress a little bit from that point, which was fewer children, but I think that obviously it's not particularly relevant to us because we've both got multiple kids, but... Yeah, it is a really interesting point, like for those single children and parents of only children. I can understand that you have like this one child to do the best that you could do. Whereas once you've got a few, you're like, oh, that one's doing really well in this. That one's struggling with that a little bit, but that's all right. We can help them support them there. They'll fix that. In the meantime, this one's doing really well. You know, it's kind of less. Yeah, and it's hard to give equal amount of of time every day to each child because bad as that sounds just it's it's very hard because they've all got different needs and wants at different stages and which can be tricky as a parent I think I find that is that as I'm starting to get used to life with three like it's just a lot (laughs) so the next one is connection over distance so it said there just isn't enough research yet to understand the capacities of human babies, toddlers and children to develop and maintain psychological connections through technology and what the short and long-term impacts of this might be. Mm, this is an interesting one. Like what if your partner or yourself live and work half the time overseas or interstate or something and you think oh well it won't affect them we can FaceTime or or I don't know even a grandparent or a loved one. What about during COVID like remember when you had Honey and Honey would just like FaceTime with your mum like that's kind of how she got to know her initially right? Yes yeah 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 true. Not how she got to know her but you know what I mean like I remember you said that they would be FaceTiming like every day and. Yeah and then in real life the child would be like, oh. Oh, no, you, you said, sorry, when Honey would hear screen. the sound of the FaceTime, she'd get excited because, yeah. sorry, that's why she was, yeah, because it was your mum. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd know that sound for them. Yeah, yeah, weird. I mean, yeah, again, like I don't have that much to contribute my opinion on on that one because, like the article says, there's not enough research to understand it yet. But again, like I suppose if we go back to the point of the rapidly changing technology, this is just something that sits within that. So what we don't know can be quite stressful. But we do know, not that we don't know, but something that we have spoken a lot about this season was the whole thing of like, you know, in-person connection, not just communicating over social media Mm. or over technology, just how beneficial it is to be with people in the flesh. But, you know, it's not always in our control. So it depends on your circumstance. There's all those like studies and research about, the hormones that are released when you have a hug and when you kiss for a certain amount of time and when you connect and when you have touch and things like that. So, yeah, there's no doubt that there's going to be effects of of connection over technology or connection over distance. And so the last one, lucky last, number eight, was work and home as different spheres. And this one is kind of interesting because I think since this article was written, it was perhaps prior to lockdowns. And so they were sort of talking about how most parents have to juggle work and home as different roles and in different environments or different spaces. But they say like in foraging and agricultural societies, a lot of the work that needed to be done happened in the same physical space that the childcare happens. However, these days, since working from home is a lot more common, this presents some totally different scenarios and different challenges but I don't think you can compare the two I mean I think there is definitely benefits for parents to be able to work from home because they get to spend more time with the kids like if you take out the commute to travel to work or or you know being able to just like have your lunch break and be with your kids and things like that or pick your kids up if you can get away for an hour or yeah, yeah yeah it provides like more flexibility and, and potentially more time with them but I think like trying to that the type of work that people are doing now from home isn't the type of work that they're talking about, like in agricultural science, where maybe you're outdoors, you know, harvesting the crops and your kids are kind of there with you doing it. Like it's very different. You're trying to sit there and have like a meeting in a sophisticated environment online. And And then juggle kids at the same time. And then juggle kids at the same time. So I think that like this is probably like a whole topic in itself and, again, something that everyone's kind of navigating as it goes. But, yeah, another very interesting factor in why parenting is hard. (laughs) (laughs) So many factors. Uh. I just feel overwhelmed and... um, and um, burned out even by just how many factors there are in today's <laughs> modern world of why this why parenting is so hard. <sighs> so many reasons. So many reasons. So many factors. Mm. You know, yeah, far out. It's quite <sighs> like um, cathartic to sort of talk through it all though, isn't it? And even to have the responses from our audience of like, this is what I find hard and I agree yeah. and this, it's like, okay, I th- we're, we're think all feeling I think the fact it. though that we do, you know, that mental load or we do think about this so much, that is actually in a way like is a good thing because it just means that we care so much, like we want it to be good. But to what extent, like what is, what is too much? Mm. You know, we're always striving to be better or more. But I think like, how nice would it be to be able to feel like I'm doing my best and my best is good enough? Mm. Not every yeah. day. You're not going to show up every day the same way. Like some yeah. days you're going to genuinely be like, I'm nailing this parenting thing. This is awesome. You're going to have a great day with the kids. 
the next day might be really, really hard. You might really struggle. You might not feel like connected with your kids. You might feel like you weren't present enough, but that's what you were able to give in that day and, like, that should be enough. So Mm. I don't know. Mm, Absolutely. I think one of the things that I have learnt is that you can make your experience easier with a different mindset mm. and a different sort of mind shift. Yeah. I was reading a little bit about this on on another article and they talk about parenting feeling easier with these four mind shifts. Yeah. Self-care, relinquishing yeah. control, finding the root of your child's behavior. So if you are having a particular struggle with the behavior of one child, like really focusing on finding the root of that and treating it specifically. And then don't take things personally. And I think that they're like really good reminders and different states of being in your mind that can allow you to focus, put focus onto yourself and tell yourself that it is okay to look after yourself and you don't have to give and sacrifice everything for your kids because like we talked about before, you can't give them the best if you're not the best. Relinquishing control because so many situations with kids are actually out of your control. There's only so much you can do. You're only one human. Finding the roots of your child's behavior, well, that's like really obvious in, in the best way of supporting them. And then like don't take things personally. I think that's like a really, a really great reminder because sometimes like, you know, your child's behavior or the way that something's happened, you do put it back onto yourself yeah, and blame yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah, and what you haven't done right. But that is just not the case. Like you can only kind of, yeah, control your kids mm. to a certain point and then they're going to be their own individual person. So you can yeah. only kind of support them up to a certain point. point. And then- there's only so much you can really do as a parent. There's only so much you can do, yeah. Which so, is, yeah, maybe where we can sort of overcomplicate things a lot because we really want everything to be, you know, a certain way for them and there's so much that actually is out of our control. Mm, um, and the only thing that we can control is ourselves. Another thing I was reading as well was talking about like the fast pace of life that we live in. So it's really hard, particularly when we have little kids, because developmentally they need things to be at a slower pace and looking Mm. after them takes Mm. a lot of time. So we're always like, come on, we've got to go, hurry up, we've got to do this, let's get this done, let's move on to the next thing, you need to do this, 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 and all that stuff. It's like they're moving at a, a, a certain pace. Yes, there are times where kids are just being slow and they're not listening. That's a whole other story. But in general, everything is always such a rush and so fast-paced. So to sometimes just literally take a step back and just go with it. I had a day like that. I had Lulu home and obviously with Otis yesterday and we were much slower paced than what it has been. And, I mean, I was there was just a lot going on. And I actually had a really nice day where often if I've got her home and him at the moment, I'm trying to do too many things, it mm. just everyone gets frazzled. Yeah. I actually read an interesting thing on that about time and how kids and adults have different timelines. And there's this research that shows that the perception of time actually does speed up as we get older. So with kids, like five minutes to us feels like A and five minutes to them feels like B. And it's because of our development in our brain. So we say to them, like, why are you so slow? Or like, why, you know, like, why are you taking so long? But their perception of time is completely different. different. So we can't really blame them for that. It's it's actually a different developmental state. Like, and I'm talking about, you know, obviously when they're young, which is our kids are all young. But, you know, it's really interesting, all these little things that 
that you learn and read sometimes, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like they're not just being fucking annoying. I also <laughs> don't think like if I take this amount of time, then it's going to affect this next thing. They don't think of it like that. They don't have deadlines and places to be and things to meet and, you know, they're just cruising. Yeah, just Life like this morning child. when we were running very late and there was no reason why we were running late. Yeah. If everyone just had to listen and done what they needed to do, it ended up yeah. being a mad rush because mm. it's my role as a parent to get them there on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, before we go, because we should wrap this up, it's been a great conversation, but I think I think we've um, covered everything. But you must tell that story about <laughs> how last night you kids were talking about parenting well, being I don't hard. know, it was so weird. Like Nina said some comment like, Ah, oh, parenting is just so easy. All you've got to do is just tell us what to do all the time. Like it's so easy. And I literally was just like, I wanted to be like, it's easy, is it? Let me tell you about easy. I was like, really, Nina? What makes you think that? And she, on she went. And then Lulu, my five-year-old, was like, no, it's not, Nina. Parenting is actually very hard. Mummy and Daddy have to work very hard to be parents. And I was like, look, girls, I love being your parent and, like, I enjoy it, all this stuff. But Nina, parenting is very hard. So it's it's quite funny because uh, I just think of all the things that I had done in the previous hour to make sure that she was going to be organised for today to make her life easier. That's exactly right. It presents she can just one up in the morning, have her breakfast, get ready with the clothes that are ready for her. Yeah. And I know what she's got on at school and what she needs and yeah. Anyway, it, it was just it, it was presents. quite funny because we were doing this episode today. So Yes, how's so the relevance? When she was and like, I can't find this, I was like, I don't know. You'll have to find it, won't you? But quick, we're in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> Why should I find it? It presents such an interesting perspective on hmm. how they see things compared to all the unseen work that you're doing for her to see it as easy. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, yeah, they're children, so they're not supposed to see how hard it is. God, they'll never want to be parents <laughs> if they see how hard it is. But you know what I mean? It's like exactly like you said, all the things that you're doing behind the scenes to make her life easy is mm. what makes your life hard. Yeah. Harder. On that sometimes. note. <laughs> on we, that note. I need time to go take a breather before it's time to, well, I need to actually get downstairs and feed the baby, the baby, <laughs> the baby boy. Oh, sorry, Otis, his name is. <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll I be think, time to pick up the girls. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, though. I think after that whole conversation, that's what we should all do. We should all just take a step back, take a deep breath and tell ourselves that we are doing a great job because we all are. Yes, I'm doing my best and my best is good enough. That's it's bloody right. great. We're doing a great job. We're doing great and so are all you guys and we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will catch you soon. Bye. Bye. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes, hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common or you can check out our Facebook page which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening.